it's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Saturday Sports Talk, brought to you by Illini Pella Windows and Doors on North Country Fair Drive with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Good morning, Mr. Tate. Good morning. Santa Claus. Is he coming? Well, I thought you were Santa Claus. Have you been a good boy? That's the question. I'm just trying to trying to hang in there a couple of more days being a good boy. <laughs> How are you doing this morning? Fine. A lot going on, a lot to talk about, a big basketball game tonight some football recruiting news to discuss our guest lineup includes uh, mike kelly former employee of this radio station a longtime voice of the missouri tigers we'll talk about the ball game with mike kelly who does the play-by-play for the tigers coming up about 9 15 mark tupper who like us is semi-retired we'll catch up with mark tupper from the decatur herald and review at about 9 45 robbie hummel former Purdue standout who uh, works for BTN now, will join us kicking off the second hour of the show. In the meantime, plenty of time for an open line. 356-9397 is the number. We'll also hear from uh, Brad Underwood along the way, a couple of players, Trent Frazier, Aaron Jordan on the Bragg and Rights game. And we'd like to hear from you as well. Cardinals made a big trade this week. Uh, Illinois football recruiting signing day was Wednesday, and they've added to that list since uh, the news last night, Lauren, Jeff Thomas, wide receiver, originally from East St. Louis, went to play at Miami for a couple of years. He is coming uh, back to his home state and playing for the Illini. Yeah, the, the next question, of course, is, is can he get a waiver from the NCAA to play immediately since he was basically, it was arranged that he kicked, was kicked off the team. I mean, if that, that'll be the wording. Um, maybe that'll help. I don't know. I, they've got a try to work this through because it, there does seem to be a greater leniency by the NCAA, as we'll see tonight <laughs> in the basketball game, to uh, allow players to transfer and play immediately. Um, we'll see how, you know, see how this works in terms of the waiver. He has signed with Illinois, so uh, that's, that's a big step forward. And if he doesn't play this year, he gives him two years uh, at some point. And uh, he, he is a talent. A lot of speed. Matter of fact, uh, Lovey Smith added some speed in this class. Certainly, your thoughts, your overall thoughts on this? Uh, what was an 11-member class? Right now, it's 12, maybe 13. There's also word that uh, Ray Estes, another guy from that uh, St. Louis area, uh, might transfer from uh, Minnesota to Illinois. He was a quarterback slash defensive back. Didn't play much, and that has not officially been announced yet. Although. Word from his camp says he's doing that. But anyway, right now the uh, class for 2019 is at uh, 12, and th- that probably uh, that number will probably increase in the days ahead. Well, that's right, and and they seemed very confident about that at the time. You know, you don't normally get that kind of uh, response from Lovey when he said, we're not done. We definitely have some more people coming. So he knows things that we don't know, and one of the things he knew was Thomas, and obviously he knows about Estes, and so – that, that's not going to be the end of it. Uh, no Khalil Tate, however, from Arizona. He's going to stay there. Uh, that was the, the big hope that he might come in here as a quarterback. But 
the, 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 the question I have, we got one great, well, we got two great players, Beeson and, uh, and, and Isaiah Williams, who were signed as of uh, Wednesday. Mm-hmm. But, Steve, the question is, can you bring in a quarterback as a freshman and uh, who will not be here in the, in, the, in the spring? He will not be here for spring football practice. He will be here in the summer, I'm sure. But can you get a guy like that ready uh, to to start and play? I mean, he he is a tremendous talent, but I I don't I mean Rivers is going to have a big edge on him because Rivers is going to have an entire spring after playing starting three games last season, um, and really the, the in terms of, of immediate help to the football team, I don't know that they're getting anybody other than possibly Beeson that's going to come and step in and play immediately. Th- this team is pretty much intact. The linemen are pretty much uh, returning. I mean, the, the running backs are returning. Uh, the, you know, the starting tight end is returning. We might get another tight end before this is over, too, by the way. But uh, the, the, the ability of Illinois to perform this year, I see it in two ways. Number one, I see a lot of people back that didn't play well this year, particularly on defense, uh, having that extra year of experience. And the other question is, can a player, can a quarterback like Isaiah Williams come in and play immediately? You know what they say about playing as a freshman the further away from the ball you are the easier it is to play well (laughs) you can't you can't get closer than i say and i you know somebody's going to come back and say well whoa whoa here's a here's a freshman that played a freshman played here freshman played in nebraska freshman played all over the country you see it but here's a guy that's five nine five ten and with great speed he could be another lamar jackson and yet uh, you know he could be another uh, wilson i mean there are guy. I mean, uh, every, the first thing that Lovey said, and it's right, is that Murray uh, won the Heisman Trophy this year at Oklahoma. By the way, he was a transfer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't win it when he was a freshman. He didn't make the team as a freshman, obviously. So, you know, we're expecting too much if you expect a freshman to come in and start at quarterback. You're expecting now it, it can happen, but you can't just uh, uh, put all your chips on that particular thing. I agree, and especially if you're talking game one. Now, if you're talking game seven, yeah. that could be something yeah. different. But That's uh, right. Phone lines are open. We've got a couple callers uh, already checking in with us, 356-9397. If you'd like to join us to talk football recruiting, basketball recruiting, the bragging rights, whatever's on your mind, let's go to Alan first in Montrose. Hey, Alan. Hey, morning, guys. Uh, got a football and basketball question. Lauren, you just mentioned that the football team's intact going into next year. Yeah. Well, the way I look at it is our defense is so bad anybody can play anywhere if they have any talent. Well, we don't. They we can don't beat out what we got. You mean you're talking about freshmen? You think you think yeah. that some of the freshmen we recruited are going to beat out the players we got? Is that what you're telling me? I think they can. Yeah. Well, you're dreaming. Okay, you're dreaming. Well, it's I not going to happen but, defensively. Uh, now Beeson can come in and play. He's a top that's top what I'm top. Talking about. Well, Beeson, you're talking about one guy. Okay. Well, better than none. Well, I don't know anybody else that's going to come in and start. I mean, you've got... Okay, the football situation, I'm glad we got better numbers than we did. It looks like we uh, beat out several different Power 5 schools for these players instead of uh, trying to beat out Toledo, Central Michigan, or Miami, Ohio in the past several years. So... Small numbers is fine with me as long as we get quality when it comes to football. 
Well, well we, you'll learn about now, the quality down the road. You're not going to know that for yeah, a while yet. The, yeah, it's, the, the players that are coming in this year, you're going to, you know, two or three years from now, you'll find out how good they are. The problem we've got right now with this recruiting class, there is not a defensive tackle in the group. And Illinois needs really strong, big, strong, aggressive defensive tackles. They need that for the future. They've got three seniors who are going to play this year. And uh, Oliver and Milan are going to probably be possible starters, but they are going to be seniors, and, and Illinois has got to replace those guys down the road. And Well, they've got two guys, Lauren, listed as defensive linemen. Well, now, they're, they're not defensive tackles. ends. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and they need to beef up a little bit, 165, 200, Seth Coleman. Yeah, and, you uh, can't play at 200 in, in the Big Ten as, as in the line. Right. We've okay. tried that. <laughs> what else you got, Alan? You know, basketball, I mentioned it to Brian yesterday. I think the keys of the game tonight is we have to keep uh, Smith and Tillman in check. I don't know how motivated they're going to be tonight. I'm sure very highly. If they go wild on us, we have no chance. Uh, on the offense, on the line side, I just think if Nichols and Frazier play well, great. But I think we need a third player to come out of the shell and play well, and I think that player is Io DeSumo. I don't know uh, if he can depend on the others to possibly do it, but Io has the chance to make or break this game, in my opinion. Yeah, we, we need uh, we need to guard the big guy. That's going to be the, the tough uh, – they finally got around in, in the uh, Xavier game. They finally got around to getting that ball into Xavier Tillman, and he mm -hmm. just killed Xavier. I mean, he had 23 and 10 – Statistically, but he, it was even more so than that. I mean, early in the ball game, he just put him, he he uh, he just killed him. So I don't know well, how fun. they're gonna how they're gonna deal with that that length and that height that uh, that Tillman gives you because he plays high. So well, I, that's what I'm saying. I think Emmitt Smith are the two keys we have to keep in check, or order us to have a chance. All right, Alan, I'm going to remind you it's the holiday season. I need you to be a little more positive. You're sounding a little <laughs> bit like uh, Scrooge here this morning. No, I'm actually I'm more positive. I'm more, a lot more positive about football than I have been in a long time. Uh, and I don't know. It's hard to say with our basketball team. We Right now, we're really up and down. And that's, yeah, you know, the, the further, the further, away out, from, further away from last football season we get, the more positive we get about next season, right? <laughs> Hey, Alan, thanks uh, for the call. Yeah. By the way, that happens every year. I know. <laughs> exactly. Later. Merry, Merry Christmas to you. And let's go to the phones again. And Victor in Champaign. Good morning, Victor. Oh, good morning. I'm in an automobile, and I can only bear to hear you. But I have a question. It doesn't have anything to do with what you're talking about right now. But I frequently hear the sports announcers say, uh, we're from Lear Field, even though they're in a foreign town, not a foreign town, or another city playing somewhere. And they frequently say, uh, greetings from Lear Field. I'll hang up and listen to you on the radio. Okay, Victor. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm just, I don't know where that Lear Field came from. Okay, I'll, I'll get you up to date on that. I appreciate the call. Learfield Communications is the uh, company that has the broadcast rights to the University of Illinois uh, football and basketball games and uh, other uh, U of I sports as well. Learfield is a company that is based in Jefferson City, Missouri. They have the uh, rights for about 50 to 60 college football and basketball programs. It's their responsibility to sell the commercials for the, for the shows, right? Yes, 
on the network. And now the local stations still have availabilities. Sure. They, sure. they can sell their own commercials as well at this point. But Learfield is the uh, overall production company. The and they, game, pay for the ri- they pay for the rights to broadcast the games for Illinois. They do pay for the others. rights. They've had it for uh, several years now, about, about 10 years, I would say. And um, What's th- the advantage, Steve, in giving them th- those rights? I mean, uh, there was a time when, I believe in Ron Gunther, that they, d- they, did, it by themse- they did it on their own. What's yep. their advantage? Well, it's it's monetary. Guaranteed, yeah. guaranteed money, right? Exactly. And uh, it takes some of the load off the uh, U of I folks from selling maybe a product they're not as familiar with uh, in uh, in radio airtime. But it also includes the signage, the scoreboard, and there's a whole lot of things included in that Learfield contract. And they have, a, as I mentioned, they're in Jefferson City, Missouri. They've got a, a building there with a whole bunch of uh, um, suites, so to speak, or what do you, what do you call desk... Uh, cubicles where a broadcast from Auburn, Alabama or Champaign is coming into each individual one on any given game day. It's pretty kind of a neat thing to watch, but uh, there are about three companies now that have the power to get these kind of deals. Learfield is one, IMG is one, and those two are, I'm told, are merging. So, oh, they are. Yeah. So, it, But Learfield is... Uh, just the name of the company that owns the broadcast rights that produce the broadcasts. Hope that uh, cleared it up a little bit for you, Victor. 9.13 is the time. We'll take a break. We'll keep the phone lines open. We'll turn our attention to the Bragging Rights game tonight down in St. Louis. That's coming up next. Stay with us on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join us tonight in St. Louis. It's the Bragging Rights game, Illinois and Missouri, 7 o'clock tip-off. Illini game day comes your way from St. Louis at 5.30 tonight on DWS. Saturday Sports Talk rolls on, brought to you by Illini Pella Windows and Doors. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. The Bragg and Rights game indeed tonight, 7 o'clock in St. Louis. We're going to talk more about that. The phone line is open, 356-9397. If you want to jump in and give us your opinion on that, we welcome to the program. Longtime friend, familiar voice for you old-time listeners or long-time listeners, let's put it that way. Mike Kelly, the play-by-play man for the Missouri Tigers, is with us. Good morning, Michael. Hello, gentlemen. How are you? Doing well. How are things in the uh, St. Louis and uh, Columbia area? Uh, can't answer on Columbia right now, but I'll tell you, St. Louis is a little frosty this morning, but the sun's <laughs> out. Looks like it's going to be a gorgeous day. And uh, is the buzz around this game uh, kind of getting back to where it used to be? There are a lot of uh, little potential side stories going into this one. Yeah, you know, Steve, I, I don't know. Um, candidly, I, I think uh, I was told, well, I know I was told earlier this week that there were only about 14,000 tickets sold. Um, that was as of, I think, Tuesday. So uh, hopefully there'll be a, a nice walk-up and, and more people had a chance to buy tickets as the week progressed. But, um, you know, as both coaches continue to build their programs, I think it, it, it's something that, that hopefully will eventually come back. But you know, it, it's no longer the ticket that it that it was when certainly when I first started. This will be my 29th. Um, you know, and, and basically when the tickets went on sale, they were gone quickly, as Lauren remembers well, and so do you. Um, you know, it, it, it's been a struggle of late, and um, hopefully though we're heading right, you know, back in the right direction. Certainly better than it was a couple of years ago when, you know, <clears throat> there were what maybe six to eight eight thousand in the house. I mean, it'll be it'll be better than that tonight. Tell us about uh, this Missouri team thus far. What are you seeing from them? Well, I think they're getting better. Um, 
you know, they played probably their best game um, on Tuesday, beating Xavier. Uh, they won, uh, I think, by 16. They were up by 29 in the second half at one point. Um, really doing a good job in terms of, uh, or did a good job in that game in terms of defending and certainly rebounding. And, you know, Jeremiah Tillman was very good. He had his best best night as a Missouri player, finishing with 23 points and 10 rebounds. And You know, if he can stay on the floor and, and stay out of foul trouble, um, you know, that certainly helps Missouri. Um, that's something that he's battled, you know, throughout the course of uh, the first, you know, year and a half or not even a year and a half, year and uh, nine games that he's been here is just, uh, you know, staying out of foul trouble and adjusting to the way the game is called because the game each and every night seems to change in terms of the way that it's called. And, but, you know, um, young players such as Torrance Watson are starting to kind of, you know, gain their footing just a little bit. Um, you know, Jordan Geist has uh, battled through a back injury uh, that he's dealt with on kind of a daily basis, but, uh, you know, has provided some some leadership to this team. Uh, Kevin Purrier has, has, has played a lot of minutes as a senior, uh, but uh, the story to, with Missouri in terms of its ability to, to have success this year is going to be the development of young guys and, and, you know, such as Javon Pickett and, uh, you know, Torrance Watson, and does KJ Santos ever play uh, and things like that. And so, <clears throat> you know, it's a team that, that I, I think will struggle to finish 500 in the SEC. Uh, it's, it's the league is just really, really good. Um, and I think finishing nine and nine in that conference is going to be difficult for this team that at times struggles to score the basketball. Well, Mike, this is Lauren. Good to hear your voice. Uh, tell us a little bit more about the, the Porter brothers. What has happened? Uh, you know, what's the status of John Tay now? I mean, as far as his future is concerned, uh, is he out for this year entirely? And would, would he be coming back next year? Yeah. Um, First with Michael, um, as most people know, he, he, he played just a couple of games for Missouri, suffered a, a back injury, uh, played the Iowa State game, uh, played the Kansas exhibition a year ago, played the Iowa State game, and then didn't return until uh, the SEC tournament, played uh, the first game. Missouri was beaten by Georgia in the first game in St. Louis, and then uh, played the NCAA tournament game against Florida State, and they were eliminated uh, in round one. Now, where is he, he now, uh He's with the Nuggets. He was drafted by the Nuggets. But he, uh, he hasn't but played, a, has he? No, had another back surgery, so oh. he'll not play this year for the Nuggets. Okay. So, and then John Tay is out for the year with a with an ACL uh, and MCL, and he will not play. And 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 he, though he has informally announced it, I I, I don't anticipate that he'll play another game at Missouri. I mean, really? Um, yeah. No, I think he'll he he could have been a first round draft choice going through the process. This past year, he elected to come back because he he just felt like, you know, he wasn't ready to be a professional. But but now losing this year and losing another year in terms of the ability to, uh, you know, to make money playing the game, um, I I don't I don't think that there's any reason for him to come back. Um, you know, the way that it uh, the schedule it, it appears in terms of his his recovery that he should be able to get back and work out and. Uh, you know, uh, have have individual workouts with teams prior to the draft, and and I still think that it'll be a guy that'll go in the first round. I mean, he had several teams that told him when he was made the decision to pull out last year, um, or you know, this prior to this past draft that that he would have been a first round draft choice. Um, you know, but again, he, he he's a kid that skipped a senior in high school to to join his brother to play. Um, you know, and then 
you know, his brother had the injury last year, not him this year. And so uh, I, I think he's played his, his last game at Missouri. Well, you know, it's the old story, the best laid plans of just don't. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, this was the key. I mean, when, you know, a year ago uh, at the beginning of that season with Michael and, and Jonte there, and, of course, their dad's on the staff, isn't he? Yeah, he still is, yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, that that was that was uh, the heart of the – Missouri team and and now you're really basically not getting much out of, of out of either one of them. I mean, Jonte no, played well get, last year. I mean, but yeah, Jonte was terrific. I mean, you know, he's a guy that when you lost him this year, he was a double double guy, but a guy that that changed the game and influenced the game so much on the defensive end because of his ability to to block or alter shots uh, and offensively his ability to to not only uh, score but also get his teammates involved with his ability to pass the ball. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that was the hope is that it was the resurgence based on them. I mean, what Missouri did get a year ago was a sold out arena, every home game for the first time since, uh, the arena opened. And so, you know, in terms of bringing, um, bringing to Missouri, certainly from a revenue standpoint, uh, the presence or the commitment by, by Michael, um, helped sell out season tickets, which had never happened. And so, you know, uh, that's that's the one thing that you have to, I, I guess, point to is that they did bring that and they brought some excited, a level of excitement back to the program. But now they're not there, and as, as Conzo will, will tell you, no one cares, right? I mean, they care about who's there, and so you just have to go out and play. Well, talk about Mark Smith and, and uh, getting the waiver for, uh, to play immediately. I think that surprised a lot of people. Uh, maybe not you, I don't know. But uh, how, did, uh, what, how did he go about uh, that process to, to get the waiver? You know, Lauren, I don't know. Uh, I was as surprised as anyone uh, that that he got the waiver and the ability to to um, to play right away. I, I think I think some of it comes down to maybe there's there's a different philosophical approach on the part of the NCAA. Maybe it could, maybe they become more equitable in terms of of allowing uh, student athletes the ability to transfer if situations aren't right. Um, I don't know the details of what happened at Illinois. Um, I, I don't know what he, uh, what the compliance people um, or that Illinois or Missouri uh, sent into the NCAA. I just don't know. I just know that for some reason someone uh, decided that uh, that that he would have the opportunity to be eligible right away. Now the different story is with the other Smith, Drew Smith, and uh, it was somewhat contentious his decision to leave Evansville. And Evansville, um, you know. Uh, basically, you know, was not in favor of him transferring and becoming eligible right away. Uh, and so they fought it, and he's not eligible and they'll have to sit out this year. So maybe it has to do with the approach of the two schools that are involved uh, in terms of the ability for the student-athlete to go elsewhere and play. I, I, I just am not that familiar with, with the process, to tell you the truth. Another couple of minutes with the voice of the Missouri Tigers, Mike Kelly. How has life in the SEC been, in your mind, for Missouri? Oh, I mean, you know, I, for selfish Mike, it's been terrific. Uh, you know, uh, warm weather, uh, terrific uh, places to travel to. Um, you know, great venues, certainly in the sport of football and, and, and in basketball as well. Uh, from a competitive standpoint, it's been a struggle. Um, you know, Missouri, though, starting to you know gain some footing, I think, from a football standpoint. Um, you know, made the NCAA tournament a year ago in basketball, the women's basketball program, um, you know, made the NCAA tournament each of the last several years. And so, um, you know, our volleyball program has, has, has done well in the SEC. Um, so, um, 
you know, from a financial standpoint, uh, in terms of revenue with the SEC network, uh, that's that's been very positive. So, uh, you know, I, I think the one thing that has been a struggle um, has just been, and, and I think there are a lot of factors. Uh, number one, going back to 2015, and I'm talking about football attendance. Uh, you know, attendance has been has, has has suffered since 15 when you had the you know, the, the threat of the boycott of the BYU game with the protests on campus and things like that. I mean, that had a monumental impact financially, not only on the athletic department, uh, but certainly on the institution across the board. And so you're still recovering from that. Um, but, you know, Missouri's got to figure out a way to, to develop a fan base and a season ticket base, uh, both in football and in basketball, because uh, right now they've struggled at the gate. Now, Maybe that'll pick up uh, from a basketball standpoint when you get into conference play, but you know they didn't sell nearly as many season tickets as they did a year ago, and in football they were down in terms of season tickets and down in overall attendance. And uh, I think one thing that I've learned since Missouri went into the SEC is that it has one of the smallest core. I'm talking about the group of fans that's there every game, one of the smallest core group of fan bases in the league. Probably the only one that would be less would be Vanderbilt. Um, and to compete in this league, you got to find a way to build that, build that that season ticket base. I mean, you, you, Tennessee football has not been relevant since the days of Philip Fulmer, T. Martin, and a guy named Peyton Manning. But yet they average seventy thousand season tickets per game uh, per season, um, and, and that's been difficult for Missouri to, you know, reach, you know, capacity in its stadium. Uh, on a consistent basis, not to mention, you know, you, you just don't have that many season tickets to sell them. Well, so one problem from with that, from a financial standpoint, that's been an issue. One problem with that is uh, once you lose them, for whatever reason, it's hard to get them back. It's just, you know, oh, there's no question. Yeah, that's yeah. The, that's there's the tough no part. That you know, yeah, Illinois, you know, Illinois like, lost a, a number of fans. It's just how do you get them back? Well, you got to yeah, win, and, and you, you know, just can't win a game or two. You got to win consistently, I think, over a period of time to get people back. Yeah, I agree, Lauren. I mean, WIN solves a lot of things, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you have to do it on a consistent basis, and I think for a period of, of, of years. Um, and so, you know, I, I think Barry Odom is doing a very good job on the football program. I, 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 I um, really believe that. I mean, you know, they, they, they won their last four games to finish 8-4, and four, now head to the Liberty Bowl to play Oklahoma State, a game in which they're favored, I think, by nine Um well, we just lost Mike Kelly for some reason, but we were about done anyway. Mike Kelly in uh, St. Louis. We'll try to dial him up uh, one more time just to make sure that uh, everything is cool with that. And the uh, ball game tonight, 7 o'clock, Illinois and Missouri in the Bragging Rights battle. I haven't looked yet. Let me do that right now. Uh, Missouri is a one-point favorite. Yeah, well, they were two-point favorite a couple of days ago, so that's changed <laughs> by one point. We've got uh, Mike it's back. It's a toss-up is what it is. Mike, don't know what happened there. We lost you for a moment. I, I think there was the, the the phone line saying you're too long-winded in your answer. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. But, uh, but no, for, from a momentum standpoint for, for moving into to next year and, and, and in terms of getting – uh, some excitement, uh, you know, among the fan base. A uh, win uh, on on December the thirty first would would I think help a lot. Good stuff, Mike. Uh, happy holidays to you and your family. Good to hear from you, and have a good broadcast tonight. All right, guys, take care. Merry Christmas. Thanks, Mike. You too. Mike Kelly with us, the voice of the uh, Missouri Tigers here on Saturday Sports Talk nine thirty WDWS Champaign Urbana.
Brought to you by Illini Pella. We're back with more after this. Stay with us. Welcome back, everybody. Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly with you until 11 o'clock. Got a little open line segment right now. 356-9397 if you'd like to jump in. Another Christmas selection from the band Chicago here on the show. Basketball last night involving uh, Big Ten teams. Number 10, Michigan State. 30-point win over Oakland. 99-69 to was the final there. Minnesota beat uh, North Carolina A&T 86-67. Jordan Murphy, Lauren, 30 points, 16 rebounds. He's, a, he's a, a walking double-double. Yeah, I was going to say, you mean he had a double-double? <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he's got a double-double when he gets off the bus, I think. He? Alabama used a 24 to nothing run in a game against Penn State in 173-64. Something's wrong with Penn State, and Watkins isn't playing that great. They got him back after some problems. And I thought he would be a big boost to them. And I know it's just reading the box scores, not watching the games. But he's not producing that much. They're getting great play out of Stevens. But uh, this is a team that's uh, disappointing, I guess. And I think that's going to have a, you know, uh, if they have another tough year, I'm not sure they won't change coaches. Up in Evanston last night, Oklahoma outscored Northwestern 10-3 to in overtime. To win that uh, ball game, 76-69, a win for Lon Kruger. Don't get in a tight game with Lon Kruger. No. He's too good a coach. <laughs> he really is. So those are some uh, games involving Big Ten teams last night. The Illini and Missouri tonight, we mentioned before the break, uh, Missouri a slight favorite, a one-point favorite in that ball game. Illinois won five straight, including that 70-64 to game last year. I remember it's kind of a coming-out game for Trent Frazier. He had 22 points in the ball game, including that uh, long three-pointer there to beat the halftime buzzer. Remember that? Yeah, and uh, you know he was at the free throw line all night, 10 mm-hmm. out of 11 at the free throw line, which makes a big difference. I mean, if if he can get to the line, and uh, that just changes everything. Uh, it's interesting. Aaron Jordan had no baskets. Um, Demonte Williams just had one. Kipper Nichols had one. The the the. One of the stars in the game was Mark Smith. Yeah. <laughs> he had 11 points, and, and uh, Leron Black carried a big load. He had 20 along with uh, Frazier's 22. Uh, looking over at the uh, Mizzou side, and it was 70-64. They scored 64 points. But uh, Tillman had three baskets, seven points. Uh, wasn't much of a – I wouldn't call him a force in the game. Uh, they, they just uh, – they were just below par. And, of course, that was – and John Tay Porter, who was a standout before the season was over, was 0 for 4 from the field. So lots changed since then. But um, all I can say is I watched Missouri play early this year, and I wasn't impressed with them. Boy, I was really impressed by the, the last game they played Tuesday uh, uh, against Xavier. I don't know what happened there, but they did make a concerted effort in that game to get the ball deep and n- – Xavier had nobody that could cover uh, uh, Tillman. So can Illinois cover Tillman? I don't know. He really plays high. He's he's a pretty good jumper, and and he's got some decent moves around. Not great moves, just decent moves around the basket. There are two common opponents on uh, these two teams' schedule. Uh, Both teams lost to Iowa State. You know, Illinois lost to Iowa State in Maui. 
Iowa State uh, beat uh, Missouri 76-59 in the second game of the season. The other common opponent opponent is uh, Xavier, as we mentioned, 71-56 win for Missouri. The Illini lost in Hawaii to Xavier. So Missouri is 7-3 on the season with wins over Central Arkansas, Kennesaw State, Oregon State. Bruce Weber's uh, Kansas State team uh, beat them easily, 82-67. They also lost to Temple. They won an overtime game against Central Florida. They also have a win over uh, Texas Arlington and Oral Roberts. So, so they were unimpressive yeah. going into that game yeah. on Tuesday, and, and then they just played so well. I don't know what to expect. You mentioned, uh, when we were talking about last year's game, right off the top you mentioned Aaron Jordan. I think he needs to be a key in this ball game. you got to get him shooting a little better because yep. everybody knows what he's going to do, but uh, he needs to, to get out there and get some open shots and get those to go down. He, what was he in the last game? One for two for 11 or something, uh, it doesn't matter. We don't need to confirm it exactly, but he's not shooting the ball very well lately. Yeah, well, it depends on how, wh- wh- if he can get open. Right. Because he has that problem, getting open. And by the way, uh, Fraser's having a tough time because the Fraser's being so heavily guarded, and he everybody's helping on Fraser. And, and all this talk, you know, about how he's really improved his right-hand dribble, yeah, well, he still wants to go left. <laughs> yeah, Jordan was 2 for 13 against yeah. East Tennessee State. Yeah. So that needs to change a little bit. And pace of play is a little bit uh, different. Illinois likes to push it. Missouri, yeah. not so much so. Yeah. Missouri would just like to bring it on down and either shoot a three with Mark Smith. And, or And by the way, he's shooting nearly 50% on threes. Mm-hmm. He's 48%, I believe, or something like that. And uh, if they get it into uh, Tillman, I, I just don't know how we're going to stop him. Yeah, Smith always could uh, shoot the three. And, you know, he was. Uh, we talked about this on another show uh, maybe last week, I don't remember, but Smith was playing pretty well this time last year yeah, for Illinois, true. and then uh, hit conference play, and it made it a little tough, but um, he's a good player. Every time I think of Jeremiah Tillman, I think of the Savoy Golf Course, where Whitman and Gross were there for an event. Yeah, yeah they high-fived each and other. And they high-fived, and we didn't know, wh- what's that? Well, yeah. that they just got a commitment from from Jeremiah Tillman, and then they got a signature. Yeah. And they still didn't get him. Yeah, I think the, the words that were spoken there, we got him. Yeah. And then they yep. high-fived and hugged a little bit. Back to uh, Mark S- Smith. Here's what uh, Brad Underwood said yesterday. Of course, you know, a lot of people were looking at the, all the similarities and the side stories, and you knew those questions were going to come up, and Brad handled it pretty well, I thought. Hang on just a minute. We'll get that for you. Got to punch all the buttons, Steve. Well, for some reason, I don't have that right now. We'll uh, we'll check that out in just a moment. But uh, 9:39 is the time here on Saturday Sports Talk. Phone line is open. Three five six nine three nine seven is the number. Do you you covered all these games as I have over the years? You got a favorite one? I do. Oh yeah. I oh do. yeah. 88 is my favorite. That's mine too. 18 down with with the, with the flying line eye and. Battle brought Illinois back, and, and Illinois won by three. Yeah, that would be my favorite. I, of course, I've thought about it a lot uh, over over the years, and everything about that 89 team was was a thrill. It was, and they were down by almost 20 late 18. in the first, 18 in yeah. the first half, and yeah. uh, came back. I did that game on TV, actually. Yeah. And, um, and that, the next game was the game at LSU. Oh, man. I did that game as well. Oh, 100 and what? 127 to 100 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It broke the record uh, for scoring. Yeah. and that's Those the, were h- high times, Bo. That's the game that uh, 
Dale Brown told Lou Henson, thanks for not running up the score. <laughs> I know. It. And he, he made it. In, I mean, he's serious. Well, he put the second team in, and they got hot. I know. You know, he, that's just – they were relaxed and went in and kept on scoring. I remember P.J. Bowman coming in and hitting oh, yeah. some shots in that that's ball game. That's right. So th- that series, as far as uh, personally doing a couple of games on TV, was, was really uh, big for me. I'm attempting to write a column about how far basketball in this state has fallen since the 80s and since the 90s when Michael Jordan was in uh, Chicago and and since uh, 98 when we had that great recruiting class of Corey Maggette and Quentin Richardson, that great class, the greatest class of all time probably in depth. And um, when you take the Bulls where they are right now and you take the teams in the state of Illinois, none of which, and I, I know what Loyola did last year, but none of which at this point Look like they're ready for NCAA play. I mean, they're all ranked down low. Uh, the highest ranked team, and by the way, in the state is Northwestern, just in case you – and they just lost to Oklahoma. Yeah, at but home. At home. But – and then you go to the high school ranks where there isn't a single senior that, that at Underwood at this point would be interested in. And very f- – and, and, and so many players transferring. I don't think the state of Illinois has ever been in, this, in, the, in the state it's in uh, – in terms of basketball, and I'm talking about the the Bulls, I'm talking about the NBA level, the college level, and the high school level. It is really down from what it has been. Now, you're never going to have every, all three at the, up at the same time, but there was a time back in the 80s and 90s when, you know, I, 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 I know this will catch people off guard, but there was a stretch of eight years in which Illinois won five Big Ten championships. I mean, that's, that's by three different coaches. Lon Kruger, Bill Self, and, and then Weber. And some of it's a trickle-down. You talk about recruiting the state of Illinois. Right now is not a good time for high school players in the state of Illinois. That's what I'm – yeah, yeah, that's the third part of it. Yeah. And, and that's the third leg of it. And, and I know there's a lot of been said, uh, and, you know, that, well, we're not seeing Underwood at the games. Well, Underwood is trying to recruit January out of California. He's trying to recruit Cookburn out of uh, uh, Oak Hill Academy in Virginia. He's, he's recruiting players – nationally you gotta go where the players are yeah i mean should he be at these high school events that don't have players or should he be at places where he's recruiting those players and obviously this last week he's he was at both places he he traveled to see january traveled to see cokeburn 944 need to take a time out we'll do that and be back with more here phone line is open if you'd like to join us on the line ipella saturday sports talk back after this Welcome back, everybody. Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly, along with you until 11 o'clock. Phone line open, 356-9397. Bragging rights basketball tonight in St. Louis, Illinois, and Missouri. There was a bragging rights game in Champaign yesterday of sorts. The Illini women taking on Missouri, and Missouri had a big third quarter in that uh, basketball game, outscoring Illinois 24-5. to That game really turned, Steve. I mean, it was... It was a one-point game, but halftime, Illinois was playing really good defense, getting good play out of Winninger at, at the uh, center position. She had 13 points in the first half, but wound up with 15, and the Illini just fell apart in that second half. 67-45 was the final. Illinois, though, 8-3, and three, not a bad uh, pre-conference record. They open uh, conference play uh, next Friday against Indiana at the State Farm Center at 7 o'clock. So, uh, 
pretty good successful 8-3 and three start for Nancy Fay in uh, year number two. The uh, Bragging Rights game tonight, I had a cut from uh, Brad Underwood on Mark Smith. I tried to play for you before. Let's see if we can get that in here now. Not the wrong, uh, playing that Christmas song again by Chicago. Hang on, I'll get this for you. Mark's a good player. He's a veteran now, and he's he's been able to, to uh, uh, you know, mature. And, and, you know, Mark's always been a terrific shooter, and, and that's very evident in his numbers this year. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that uh, when, when left open, he doesn't miss. He, that ball's going in the basket, and, and Mark's a good player. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, a, he's an aggressive driver. He's a good free throw shooter, and, you know, he, he's got the ability to score it at all three levels, and uh, uh, he's playing like a veteran. Brad Underwood on uh, Mark Smith, their second leading scorer for the Missouri Tigers there. We've got we're, it, a lot of things going on here behind the scenes, so <laughs> they uh, say here on the uh, Saturday before Christmas, we're trying to get Mark Tepper on the line, and we're passing information around. We'll get it. But uh, Illinois went down yesterday, worked out at the arena yesterday afternoon slash evening to get a feel for the place. And uh, I'm guessing in a game like this, being a night game, this will be a long day for them. Well, the one thing I'll say about the game is regardless of what's happened before, and I, I know that I'm concerned, uh, you know, because of the uh, the way um, Missouri looked uh, on Tuesday, but and Illinois has been up and down, mostly down this year. But any this is an anything-can-happen game, and Missouri has played too many mediocre games this season to think they can come out every game and play as well as they did on Tuesday against Xavier. There may have been reasons why Xavier couldn't guard. I don't know. And – and, and where they just didn't have the ability that uh, they got so far behind. I mean, it was unbelievable. So I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens there. I, I just uh, I think that uh, Illinois has been very fortunate to, uh, to win these games and uh, to have the winning streak that they have in Missouri, in St. Louis. And uh, it's going to end one of these days. And, and my concern is it might end tonight. But we'll see. Thank you, Scrooge. Appreciate that. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I, I got my – you know, I, I decided to spend Tuesday night home watching that game. And I wish, <laughs> you scared wish you. I <laughs> wish I hadn't watched it now because Missouri really looked good. Well, that was the the best game of the year, certainly, for uh, Tillman, as we've talked about a little bit earlier. And he'll be alone. It'll be an interesting uh, matchup between him and Georgie. Yeah. Both, yes, of them, both of them have a reputation of getting in foul trouble, too. They might uh, be grappling early in that ballgame. Our friend Mark Tupper from Decatur is on the line with us. Good morning, Mark. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. Hello, Steve. Hi, Lauren. I was trying to figure out between Lauren, you, and myself, we've probably covered darn near 100 of these <laughs> Bracken Rights games over the years. It's a, it's a fun one. Uh, I know you're looking forward to, to this ball game tonight. How do you size it up from what you've seen in your semi-retired role? <laughs> well, like Lauren, I made the mistake of watching Missouri Tuesday, and my opinion of them changed. <laughs> they they look pretty good. Uh, they beat a good Xavier team, and Tillman looked terrific. That's the best I've seen him play. I assume that was Missouri's best game of the year, and and uh, they were impressive. And and uh, and Xavier was was really bad. I, I read Travis Steele's uh, comments. Their coach, who's John Gross's half brother, um, and he thought they were awful, and and I thought they were pretty bad too. They didn't look like the team that that Illinois had bumped into uh, in Maui, but. Um, I think, um, just as Lauren was saying, I think how the how the game is officiated in the post will be interesting, and um, what can Illinois do with Tillman? Because I think 
I think Missouri had a real um, discovery the other night. You know, we got to get, we've got to get the ball in the post to him when we do good things happen. They sure did the other night. Do you have a favorite game as you uh, think about this series? Is there one that stands out to you? Oh, I'd probably go back to the, I call it the Kenny battle game. Yep. Um, uh-huh. the, the comeback, uh, what was that, 88? 88, yes. 88-89 team. That, that every game was magical, it seemed like, that season. And that game was terrific. That's when you really, or when I think I remember really having an appreciation for Kenny Battle's will to win and and what he could do, man. He that was. I, I wish I had a tape of that. That was that was so much fun, that game to watch, and um, obviously a springboard to great things. That isn't always the case, by the way. You know, I mean, that's, last year after Illinois won, and it was sort of Trent Frazier's, um, you know, coming of age party. Um, optimism was high and it just never happened after that and and Missouri lost that game last year and they went on to the NCAA tournament so it doesn't always work out that way but um, I'm just glad to see the game back to feeling like an important game that was depressing two years ago when we looked around and saw 10,000 empty seats and of course um, both schools made had coaching changes and the interest in the game and the fan attendance certainly perked up last year and now we need to get back to the part of that game that has made it a, a game of national interest. I think right now it is just a game of regional interest. Yeah. But when both teams are ranked, um, that's when we'll be back to um, a lot of people paying attention around the country. Because it, when both teams are ranked, it's uh, you feel like, okay, these are teams I'm going to be seeing when March Madness when March Madness commences. And um, and we know this atmosphere is great, and we know the intensity is terrific, and and so let's tune in and watch. Right now, I think it's more of a regionally interesting game. Tough. Where do you see the Illini going from here this year? In uh, with basketball, um, you know, I I don't know. I don't know where they are going from here because I don't know where they are. Um, I I think they, and the schedule has gotten weird here. You know, we were they were playing so many games one right after another against really good competition, and now they're playing once a week for like a month and. You don't see them much. I thought in the East Tennessee State game, though, that they looked really good in the first half, and and I understand that East Tennessee State was travel weary and all that stuff. I I get that, but but they were able to sustain good play, effective play, and and had a thirty point lead to show for it. And then in the second half, they drifted, and um, and that lead. Um, melted away uh, to a certain degree. So I don't know where they are in terms of being able to sustain the kind of play that Brad's wanting. I think when they do it, they can be really good. And when they um, fade from that and get away from it, the other team can can make hay on them. And so um, I just don't know. I, I'm, I keep looking for, uh, was hoping that we would see a breakout game from Io. Maybe last game, obviously he didn't play, so that didn't happen. Maybe it'll happen tonight like it did for Trent Frazier last year at this moment. Um, I just think that would be it would be such a welcome addition to this team. It would take some of the pressure off Trent, and, and I think Iowa's plenty capable of it. He's got to attack the basket. I think when he does that, he'll get to the free-throw line, and I think all of a sudden, you know, instead of 10 or 11 points, he'll have maybe 16, 17, 18 points, and 
they could sure use that from them. And then, and then I don't know if what we're seeing from, from Kipper Nichols is sustainable. You know, Kipper's always been an, an intriguing guy because he's got talent, but he's inconsistent. He'll have a 30 point game and then he'll have, you know, a six point game and a four point game. And we, we won't see him for three games. And, and then all of a sudden he'll have a pretty good game. And he, he's kind of put together. What's he got four double digit scoring games in a row here. Um, that would be great if Kipper started to be, um, a more consistent contributor. But tonight, I just, you know, Georgie and um, maybe we'll see a little bit of De La Rosa back out there too, banging around in there a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to figure out what he's doing between De La Rosa, Kane, and Georgie. Obviously, Georgie's number one, but uh, he hadn't even used De La Rosa the last couple games. And Right. Um, I want to switch it over to football because the recruiting is just finished, and of course, the Jeff Thomas story is just out uh, today, and and where do you think? Uh, what do you? What's your take on what uh, Lovey's accomplished? Well, he's getting a better quality athlete into the program. I I don't want to be negative, but I wish there was a little more quantity involved. We knew this wasn't going to be a big class, but he signed eleven the other day, and he's going to add to it, which he's already done with with Jeff Thomas, and there'll be more. Um, you know, I, it would have been great the other day to see him you know, sign 18 or whatever. They just need more and more and more. They need more depth. They need more back. You know, right now they're getting some pretty good, I think, frontline people in place. It's just that injuries always happen in football. And when they do, then there's a drop off. Um, and, um, but between Isaiah Williams and Marquez, Marquez Beeson and Jeff Thomas, um, the kid I'm really intrigued by is Keith Randolph from Belleville West. I was talking to our friend David Wilhelm from the Belleville News Democrat um, about him. And, um, you know, he's 6'5". He's 250. I've seen him listed at 270, but he's 250. Um, and says he does not want to play at bigger than 250 uh, to compromise his quickness. But what David said is this kid's got one of those motors that just never shuts down. He goes crazy hard all the time he really just started playing football a couple years ago and the only reason he did it was to try to help with his conditioning for basketball and all of a sudden he realized wow I'm really good at this and and a lot of schools jumped on board with him Um, I think he's one of the freshmen who could see some time um, depending on what else happens on that defensive line but uh, that should be a position of strength I would think this year yeah, the one thing I'm, I'm encouraged about is is the speed. I mean, it, when you got guys like Beeson and Williams, and and now uh, Ch- Thomas coming in, we don't know when Thomas is going to be eligible, and he will appeal and and hopefully get a waiver. But uh, that speed is you, you can't replace it. That the, the speed is what's the difference between the three stars and the four stars, in my view. I mean that that if you you can't be a four star if you don't have speed. I mean, I'm, I'm totally right. At, I'm talking about receivers and running backs mainly. Yeah, and the only the only regret there is that all these guys that they get are, that are speedy are so dang little. Yeah, you know Isaiah know. Isaiah Williams is not big. Jeff Thomas is not big. Kyron Cumbie, who's really fast, is little. Yeah. Maybe he's a Tariq Cohen kind of a guy, um, but you're absolutely right. And and I was thinking about what Rod Smith said the other day about Isaiah Williams, where he said, you know, I mean, if you're the defensive coordinator, every game. You're nervous every play with Isaiah Williams on the field because of what could happen. And so when we get to August and training camp begins, 
I mean, that's going to be, you know, quarterback was the story this last year because we were all interested in seeing A.J. Bush, and it's going to be the story again because it's going to be, um, uh, it's not going to be easy, but but with his athleticism, it's possible for Isaiah Williams to to close down M.J. Rivers in a short time. I, that, you know, it's just, gonna, I don't know, I can't predict that, but um, that will be interesting. That's going to be fun. That's Mark Tupper from uh, the Decatur Herald and Review. We appreciate your time, as always. Miss seeing you quite as often, but uh, I'm guessing you're enjoying your semi-retirement. Enjoying it, and uh, miss you guys, too. And um, I'll get over there. We'll, we'll get out, and maybe we'll just come over and have lunch or something. That sounds good. Let's do it. Thanks, Mark. All Thanks, right. Mark. You bet. See you guys. You bet. Mark Tupper, 10 o'clock, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, hour number two of Saturday Sports Talk, brought to you by Illini Pella, is coming up next. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show. Hour number two underway with you until 11 o'clock with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly talking Illinois basketball. We have some football conversation as well. We'll continue along those lines, but keep it on basketball here for the next few minutes. Robbie Hummel from uh, Big Ten Network is with us, former Purdue stand, uh, standout. Good morning, Robbie. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing well. I wanted to get your thoughts on Big Ten basketball at this point. Uh, some teams in action last night. Uh, Michigan State, Minnesota uh, won ball games. Alabama lost, a, rather, uh, Penn State lost a close game to Alabama, and then Northwestern lost a game in overtime to Oklahoma. But your thoughts on uh, the Big Ten teams as we get ready for the uh, resumption of the uh, Big Ten schedule? Who's your favorite right now? Would you go with Michigan at this point? Yeah, I, I think Michigan is the clear-cut favorite having not lost a game. Um, just the way they're playing, they, they can play big, they can play small. Uh, Teske has really made improvements and is really a rim protector for them. But also, you know, it's funny because with John Beeline, especially when I was playing, you would never lead off talking about defense as being one of their strengths. So re- really impressive to see the evolution of their program and you know, the offensive side of the ball, it, they, they've really got some players. They, they've got some guys that can break you down. They've got guys that can make shots. Bruce Davis is not just one of the best freshmen in the Big Ten, but really one of the best freshmen in the country and probably a guy that's not going to be in Ann Arbor for very long. Another indication that we're all getting old and we don't necessarily know it. It seemed like just yesterday that you were playing. <laughs> you talked, <laughs> talked about when you were playing at Purdue. Uh, your thoughts on what's going on over there in West Lafayette right now? Um, you know, they're, they're still trying to find themselves. They're a very young team. You bring back a guy in Carson Edwards who's an All-American, and I think you know, the expectations because he was back were, were high. But look at what they lost. You know, they, they lose Isaac Haas, Vincent Edwards, P.J. Thompson, Dakota Mathias. Those are four guys that won a ton of Big Ten basketball games. So you've got guys adjusting to new roles on offense and defense. You're playing some freshmen and sophomores. Um, and I think Carson is still trying to find that delicate balance between, you know, doing enough for what he needs to do for Purdue to win and doing too much. You know, to me, I think he needs to eliminate the contested 28 footers with 24 on the shot clock. He yeah. can get that shot at any time. Um, but, you know, they need him to score. So you're, you're, it's a hard thing to do as a coach 
when you're so dependent on one guy like that. Robbie, uh, talk about the Purdue offense. For how many you, you you can go back? How many years did they just basically concentrate that ball into the center an awful lot when they would come down the court? They can't do that now. Uh, it, it seems to me like they didn't. How many years has Painter just emphasized that that center offense? Well. I think it would have to be since A.J. Hammonds got there. And yeah. when I played, we had Juwan Johnson, and, of course, we threw him the ball inside, but we also had Etwan Moore could really play. Mm-hmm. Graham was a good player. We, you know, we we really spread the ball out. So I think as soon as A.J. Hammonds got on campus, that's where you started seeing them really make concerted effort to throw the ball in the post. And if you watched them last year, whenever they needed a basket, like when their offense got bogged down, They'd run a set to get Isaac Haas, you know, a, a touch in the paint, and as they should have, because the dude was a scoring machine. His efficiency was crazy. So um, it's probably been, you know, six years. And I, I know before I was at Purdue, they they really did a good job of throwing the ball into Carl Landry, and mm-hmm. that's you know that's smart because he played in the NBA for ten years. <laughs> so it's probably a pretty good call. Yeah. Well, I'm going to take you over to Illinois. You've, you've seen the Illini play, and what's your take on this team right now? Can they get out of the the lower uh, three or four teams in the league? Um, You know, it's just the league is so deep this year. So it'll be interesting to see if they can break through here in January and February. They have good pieces. I think you look at some of the guys on Illinois' team, and Trent Frazier's a good player in the Big Ten. Uh, Io DeSumo has shown flashes of what he's capable of doing, I think. It's just the issues that have have really plagued them need to be – fixed the fouling needs to be fixed like that that's just when you send a team to the free throw line 30 times in a game you know you're just giving points away a lot of the time so that needs to be addressed the turnover issue has certainly you know Illinois does such a good job of forcing turnovers but then they they give it right back a lot of the time so some of those things you just are, are not a recipe for winning big in major college basketball so i We'll see. It's going to be interesting. They, I think the Ohio State game is a great example of how Illinois terrifies coaches on the scouting report because there's nobody else in the conference like them. They really take you out of what you're trying to do offensively, and if you have good guards, you're telling those guards, hey, go make plays because we're not going to be able to reverse the ball easily. We're going to need you to just take the ball and go to the rim. And I think Coach Underwood's defense is is really tough to play against, but he needs a guy that can erase shots at the rim. If you're going to overextend your defense like that, you need a shot blocker. And I think they like Georgie Bishanishvili, but he is definitely not a a rim protector in that sense of the word. No, he isn't. Uh, Robbie, I I I brought up something a little earlier, how how far the Bulls have fallen, how far uh, basketball in the state of Illinois has fallen, how how far the – high school basketball in Illinois has fallen, mainly because so many of top players like Shannon and, and Whitney and, and guys just transfer. They just leave, 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 the, high, leave the state for other schools. Uh, what's your, do you see what I see happening here? I'm, uh, I'm talking about all three phases, pro, college, and high school in the state. Well, the, yeah, the Bulls are terrible. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I agree, I agree on that. Um, I think it, it is sad. Um, you know, I, I'm not, I'm from Indiana. I live in Chicago. I'm not a huge Illinois high school basketball, I guess, follower. 
But just in terms of the players that are coming out of Chicago, I guess, to me, it doesn't seem like it's the same caliber guys as like, you know, Shannon Brown or um, what was the point guard's name that went to Sharon Collins, um, obviously like D. Brown, Luther Head, those guys. It doesn't seem like those type of guys are coming out of Chicago as much. And if they are, they're they're definitely they're not going to Illinois. So um, I, I think also the University of Illinois is has when they've got guys from Chicago, like Jeremy Richmond, I guess would be an example. It wasn't he a Chicago kid? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How'd that yeah, work out? Like, <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, right. Um, super hype, but just not. And even when you saw him play, you almost wondered, you know, why is this kid so hyped up? He mm-hmm. he was just physically so much more prepared, I guess, as a high school junior and senior and dominated physically. But um, it, I think Chicago is a hard place to recruit. And I would agree with you that just from I know the history of an organization like the Illinois Warriors, like when Larry Butler was running that team, and he, they would always talk about he's coached like, you know, 25 dudes that played in the NBA. Right. And it was it was ridiculous. Like, whether that was in Southern Illinois, down by St. Louis, or Central Illinois, Peoria, I guess would be a great example. I was talking to somebody the other day, and I forget who it was now, but they were telling me about how Peoria – actually, I think it might have been um, your guy's SID, Derek uh, – is it Burst, Derek Burson? Burson, yeah. Burson, yeah. Yes, he was telling me about how – on Illinois' basketball team, there had been a Peoria kid for like – you know, 30 consecutive years. <laughs> and for the first time here, they don't, you guys don't have one. Yeah. And I guess growing up going to Illinois games, I, I just, I'm, I remember the Wayne McLean deal and Sergio McLean and Griffin, you know, all these Frank Williams, all yeah. these guys that came out of Peoria. And it sounds like it's a town that's maybe just, you know, that it was an industry town. And it's just kind of dying. So it is sad. It's, it's a shame. I, I don't know if kids these days, really know how to play basketball and that's going to make me sound like you know the old curmudgeon that (laughs) but it seems like it's all pick and roll it's all pound the basketball i i miss watching teams run a motion offense if i saw someone set a good back screen and pop for an open jump shot i might have a heart attack well i i I will add one thing demonte williams is is uh certainly you're right and he's the Son of Frank, of course, right. But uh, but in general, and I think you you can't be specific on everything. But in general, the basketball is just down in Peoria. It's down in Chicago. It's down. I tell you where it's not down. There's a lot of good basketball players in this area. I've noticed that yep. the last several years. I mean, going back to Goodwin and 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 on through uh, Rod Smith, and, and of course, uh, obviously the guy we're going to try to stop tonight, uh, Jeremiah Tillman. Uh, yep. but, um, something is, something's going on. And, and when I talked to, um, to, uh, Hendrickson, uh, about the transfers, he could count 11 deaf, uh, 11 superstars that have transferred out of the state in the last, in a, in a five year period from two sixteen through 20, or maybe to 21, uh, 2021. He's uh, he's saying that uh, the, a lot of these kids are, are leaving and, and going to other places and I can't. It's almost like businesses leaving the state of Illinois. The players are leaving the state of Illinois. There's something <laughs> something wrong here. You know, we're not feeding them right. right. I guess. But uh, in any case, it's uh, I don't know uh, how how is basketball in Indiana at this point, particular time as as far as you can see high school level. Um, 
You know, I think it's still it's still pretty strong. I, I know there's a kid at my high school that's going to Purdue. Um, he's a top hundred kid, played for Main Streets. Um, you know, Trace Jackson Davis is a kid that's going to Indiana. He's a top twenty player. Um, but I, I feel like, and, and while Illinois has had loaded classes, well, Indiana is really one of the the best producing basketball talent states in the country. So um, there, there is a lot of talent. Um, you look at the programs that a lot of the state sustained, Purdue, Indiana, Butler, Notre Dame that we recruit more nationally. But there, there's a lot of good programs in Indiana. And I, to me, it's, it's still pretty, pretty strong. So we'll see as we go forward. Um, but I know Indiana is a very traditionally talent-rich state. Another couple of minutes with uh, Robbie Hummel. What do you remember about uh, some of your uh, battles and games against uh, Illinois over the years? Um, well, my freshman year, I remember Michael Jordan sitting courtside <laughs> and being so starstruck that like I couldn't focus on the game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I was so jealous. Etwan Moore had an a, incredible game. had like 26. And I remember thinking, like, dude, like, he just did that in front of Michael Jordan. <laughs> so, uh, every, all the eyes were on Michael, weren't they? He, oh, he'd be... man. I mean, the thing that's messed up is I, I'd seen him before. Like, I'd, I'd played with Jeffrey um, at the Nike All-American camp both years. So he was at those games. And it's just like you'd see him in the crowd, and he, he's just – I couldn't stop looking at him. It, it was, you know, it's just your – he was your idol growing up as a kid. Um so that was pretty cool. Um, my junior year, I'll, I'll never forget John Hart not being in the scores book. We had lost three games in a row after winning our first 14, and we came into Champaign and weren't playing all that well. And he actually had been in a funeral the game before and wasn't there, and they didn't put him in the book. And he came in and had like you know 12 points after we got a technical for him not being in there and actually ended up winning the game. Um, they were they were heated battles, man. You guys had had a solid team at that point with you know Tisdale and Billy Cole and Demetri McCamey and it, it was always fun it was always a fun game for me because I just I grew up coming to games in Champaign and you know I, I love that team with Dee and Luther and uh, James Augustine and those guys uh, Darren Williams so it, it was always fun for me just having that Champaign connection and then after the game getting some Papadels. <laughs> well, I got, I got to ask one question. I don't know how how many times you've been asked this, but were, were you recruited by the University of Illinois? Um, was there a, you know, was there a I, major I, effort? Um, we lost him, right? <laughs> how about that? We'll try to get him back. I thought I thought it was a pregnant pause there for a moment. <laughs> Maybe he didn't want to answer that question. We'll we'll try to get get him back on the phone. I was waiting. Okay, that's a nice effect pause but uh, we'll try to get Robbie back on that uh, particular uh, question at 10 16 here on uh, Saturday Sports Talk that, that was kind of interesting well I'll tell you what though I he was one of my favorite players at Purdue he the guy could, he, he could just he's one of those guys that that reminded me of some of the guys they've had over the years after we got Robbie back oh, we lost your right as yeah. you were ready to answer that question <laughs> I thought maybe you decided yeah, not to sorry. answer it and hung up <laughs> How how much did you guys hear? Where, where were not, like, not at all. I, I just asked you, if, uh, and I know you had a teammate at Valpo that was very good too. What what was what was the recruitment like from Illinois? Um, so you know, I, I visited Illinois for a football game. Um, I I was recruited by Jay Price. You know, I talked to Coach Weber multiple times on the phone, um, but I, I was never offered a scholarship. Uh, 
you guys had had Eric Gordon committed and then Billy Cole committed and Bill and I were pretty similar, I guess, position wise. So you, you had filled a need and, uh, you know, it was one of those deals where I was never, I guess, super seriously recruited because, um, you guys had your guys. So, um, it ended up working out for the best and, um, you know, it's a part of it, but it was one of those deals when I, when I was a kid, I, I would have loved to have played at Illinois, Illinois or VU. <laughs> kind of a big difference there, but I was a ball boy at Valpo, and when Bryce Drew was there, I I loved them too. So, are you enjoying uh, your work on the Big Ten Network? Yeah, it's been fun, and you know, doing two networks with Big Ten Network and ESPN has been a challenge at times in terms of travel. Like I'm down in Austin right now, um, did the Texas game last night against Providence, um, but I, I've enjoyed it. You know, it's I was playing overseas. And I just come to to hate it, and it's which is sad because I love basketball, I love playing. Um, but I was living in Moscow and playing, and I was like, man, I I'm not enjoying this from a, you know a day to day perspective. So I ended up uh, you know getting into it last year, and there's a lot worse things I could do by sitting courtside at pretty good college basketball games and, and talking about the games. So. Um, I still play in the summer times. I, I played this last summer. Remember, you guys remember Craig Moore from yeah. Northwestern? Oh yeah. Craig got me into this. Um, I played three on three this summer, and we played all over the world. Um, you know, I played in Shanghai, Beijing, Seoul, um, Venice, Amsterdam, Puerto Rico. Uh, our team played in Malaysia, Mexico wow. City, and uh, we actually ended up being the sixth best team in the world. So our, it's an Olympic sport in 2020. Um, and I, we have a legitimate chance to play in the Olympics, so we'll see. So your knee's okay, huh? Oh, yeah. I, I didn't retire because I was hurt. I was still playing. I was shooting the ball pretty well in Russia. I just, if I wasn't going to be in the NBA anymore, um, after two years in Minnesota and a training camp in Denver, I, I really didn't care to play in the overseas setting. So this is this is perfect. You fly in on a Wednesday or a Thursday and um, play Saturday, Sunday, and you're home by Monday. Oh, okay. <laughs> and no crazy European coaches to deal with. Hey, Robbie, we appreciate your time. We'll do it again maybe before the season gets over. But uh, thanks for visiting with us, and uh, happy holidays to you. Thanks so much, Robbie. Yeah, of course. Happy holidays to you guys, too. Thank you. Robbie Hummel from uh, Big Ten Network and uh, also doing some work at ESPN as well. 1020 on Saturday Sports Talk. Open line the rest of the way, 356-9397 if you'd like to join us. Football, basketball, baseball. We haven't talked baseball yet. We'll do that a little bit after our next break. I'm going to talk to you a moment about Illini Pella, 1001 North Country Fair Drive. They are Their Saturday hours are not in effect during the winter. They'll reopen in the spring on Saturday, but you can get them by appointment or from 8 to 5, Monday through Friday at Illini Pella. As I mentioned, they'll reopen on Saturdays in the spring. And if it stays mild like it has been lately, some people play golf two or three times this week, but uh-huh. if, it, if it stays mild above freezing, Illini Pella can still do some uh, replacement window jobs or doors since the opening is uh, not really totally open for very long and doors can be uh, hung in a single day. If you're considering window or door projects in the spring, really now's the perfect time to do the research for the project so you're ready to go when the warmer weather is back to stay. Do the research, stop in or visit uh, the website for ideas at uh, Illini Pella, discuss the installation process talk about financing if you need to talk about that they've got a lot of qualified folks there to help you with uh, just ideas you may there may be some products out there you're not aware of yet they've got new products coming all the time check it out pellaofchampagne.com 
or give them a visit at the Pella Window Store, Illini Pella, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. We're back with more Saturday Sports Talk presented by Illini Pella after this. It's Illinois women's basketball, Big Ten season as they take on the Indiana Hoosiers Friday night at 7. Dave Lone has the play-by-play coming up Friday night. Welcome back to Saturday Sports Talk brought to you by Illini Pella. If you'd like to join us, 356-9397 is the number. We're here until 11 o'clock. You can text us, too, if you're out and about on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 351-5357 is the number there. We've been kind of all over the board talking Illinois football. Jeff Thomas, the wide receiver from Miami, is transferring to Illinois. That class now for Levy Smith standing at the moment at 12. We expect that to jump, maybe not before Christmas, but uh, maybe in the next few days anyway, or maybe the next 10 days. It might uh, bump up a little bit. And there's another signing period coming up in February, so you never know what might happen with that. But Lovey seemed on Wednesday pretty upbeat about uh, his class. Yeah, and he's also uh, excited about uh, a linebacker that he already has in school that nobody's heard of, Eiffel, and I think that's the way you pronounce it. Uh-huh. Who's uh, well, he practiced. Transfer, tr- yeah. transfer from Washington? It's a good one. And then you got Navarro, Donnie Navarro from Valparaiso, who was a just looked terrific to me in, in August. And like he didn't play, he couldn't play this year. He had to sit out the year. But in practice, uh, Rod Smith said he was one of our top four receivers. He t- he said that just a couple of days ago, on Wednesday. Um, th- so he has some players that are going to step in along with uh, Larry Boyd, who set out this past season. Boyd will have three years of eligibility, and he's already had a full season as a starter. So, you know, he's – he's and also Virtus Brown is coming in uh, to, for his first year. I mean, he sat out this last year and redshirted. So he's got four years. So there, there's some beef coming, but we're not – not from the high school ranks, but, but from people that are already here in, in some cases. Yeah, it's interesting, though. We Of course, you're always talking about the quarterback, no matter – if you know you've got a veteran back, you're always going to wonder how he's doing. Or if you don't know who the quarterback is, that's going to be a topic of conversation. And that was the case last year. It'll be the case this year a little bit. Uh, Rivers is back. He has some experience, so he'd be the guy in the spring, certainly, you would think. But then with Isaiah Williams coming in in the fall, you talked earlier about how quickly will he be able to adapt to well, this. you got to learn the system. Exactly. That's the tough part. And uh, they can do some of that before he gets here and get some things in his hands, I would guess. But uh, And he's watched film and all that of uh, the way Rod Smith likes to run things. You know, the problem with freshmen is when they drop back to pass, they don't. They haven't had the experience of, of, of whether it's a zone, whether it's a man-to-man, whether it's too deep. What, you know, they don't know exactly what the defense is doing until they've played a while. And that's, a, that's the biggest part of it. Now, he's electric as a runner, and I don't think that changes. He, he'll run, and he's a better runner than Rivers. Mm-hmm. But Rivers may be a better passer, but particularly with the extra experience he's got. So it's, it's going to be uh, it's, it'll be something that will be decided as we go along. And uh, you made a good point that he, it, it might be different halfway through the season than it is in the first game. I don't think you'll see him start in the first game unless he just uh, – I mean, how can, can anybody be that good? Can you learn that much? I mean, how much of the offense – do you, do you not even put in if you have a freshman that's going to be running it? Right. And Rod Smith had some interesting comments about his height. You know, he pointed out the Heisman Trophy winner who was yeah. 5'10", and you always go back to Drew Brees. And the fact, I think this can't be overstated, 
the fact that under Rod's offense, the quarterback most of the time is in the shotgun. So yeah. he's he's got oh, a little yeah. head start and looking over the lineman. That's and right. plus he'll be on the move and uh, you know lanes open up where you can see what you need to see. But no matter how good Illinois is at the other positions, uh, this quarterback thing is is up in the air right now. We we just don't know who's going to be the quarterback, frankly. And we haven't seen you know, Robinson may get another shot in the spring. I mean, mm-hmm. this, more than one player is going to get a shot in the spring. I mean, that, that's what springs are for. It's not just for throwing out one quarterback there. There will be a three-way battle there. I mean, although Rivers clearly has the, the inside track. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, questions to be answered, no doubt about that. And, you know, one thing, and things change. We went into last season, you and I, discussing the strong points of what we oh thought boy. would be the strong Don't points. Don't bring this and, up. And wide receiver was <laughs> one of them. I know it. I thought, I thought well, because Dudek, yeah. we thought, uh, we Dudek thought and Small- Smalling. Smalling and Dudek ought to be just terrific. Well, Smalling was okay. He, he was okay and just okay. He wasn't great. But I don't think I've ever recalled as many drop passes as the receivers dropped in this season. Now, they had some injuries. Dudek and, and w- was injured right off the bat. And, and of course, uh, uh, what was the name of the young man that was injured? Carter. Scored, Carter scored mm-hmm. two touchdowns mm-hmm. in, in that game. And and next thing you know, he's he's out maybe for this season, too. We don't even know if he'll be back. So, uh, but if I'm disappointed, frankly, that Beeson is, wants to play uh, – defense and and he'll be a maybe a maybe a starter at cornerback I would I would think boy he'd be really be valuable as a receiver he played both in high school but he has indicated that he wants to play defense so that's fine well maybe play both in college not well, you know, not every yeah. day I don't mean every <laughs> I think maybe you find something for him on the other side of the ball and he, yeah. he's one of those guys he's not a big guy he's 5'11 175 yeah but maybe as a, as a, a punt return yeah a kickoff return exactly yeah. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Heading towards 11 o'clock on Illinois Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Phone line open, 356-9397. On the phones in Champaign. Rick, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, sir. Good morning. I appreciate what you guys do. and uh, Interesting to uh, always hear your evaluation. My uh, main question would be your thoughts on the Illinois basketball coaching situation. Uh, like a lot of people really have positive use probably on the X's nose of Coach Underwood. What I'm interested in, because we don't hear much about it, is maybe your guys' grounded thoughts on the uh, assistant coaches and how they've kind of worked in. They've been there for a little while. Of course, we had one, uh, you know, move over from gross staff. And, uh, of course, my understanding is that they're going to play, you know, super key roles in the recruiting. Uh, we've had a two out of three of them kind of, you know, do some pretty good production in terms of getting kids there. Uh, you know, I think maybe one of them are lacking behind as far as bringing, bringing the guys in and uh, what your thoughts on them. I'll hang up and listen. Appreciate your time this morning. Okay, Rick, thanks very much. The uh, assistant coach is Jamal Walker is the, the holdover from uh, the Gross, uh, Gross staff. And uh, those guys are out and about. I know that they've been out this week, Lauren, uh, all over the country looking at guys. Um, Kofi well, Cockburn is one they're, af- they're looking after. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, Walker's had really bad luck because he, he got all three of those yeah. guys committed down there, and uh, then something happened. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he got Smith here, who was player of the year. He got uh, Jeremiah's sign, and 
and what happened there is, you know, probably, I, you know, I, don't, I have no, I, I do know what happened, but uh, it wasn't good. And, and uh, when we talk about recruiting, there are so many other factors involved, uh, whether it's the AAU team, whether it's the, uh, the uh, shoe companies, uh, Adidas and, and Nike getting involved. I mean, there's so many outside factors. And you know who you didn't mention right there? The high school coach. You know, the high school coach doesn't matter. I again. know, that's, what, that's I my mean, point. Matters less and less. Yeah. I think Robert Smith matters yeah. and Simeon. But I, 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 and I think that uh, Robert Smith is an even keel guy that if Illinois goes back in and, and talks to him, that he'll be reasonable and fair. I think he's just a top guy. But the, the, the truth of it is that they're, they follow these teams all, all summer with their AAU team because all the all-stars are – that's what AAU is right. really is. It's the all-star players playing together. Why wouldn't you want to recruit that when, when, uh, when you go to a high school game, you may only see one player that you're interested in. You go to the AAU, you see multiple players. Maybe the Chicago high school coaches are pouting a little bit now because uh, well, that's right. Because maybe they don't matter as much. And they, there were some comments in the yeah. that uh, Sun Times article that uh, was out earlier this week about Brad Underwood not having been spotted in Chicago. Well, there aren't that many great players in Chicago right at the moment. But uh, Brad had a little comment on it on this yesterday. Here's what he said: What article? I, I don't, I don't. I, I mean, if I spend time really dwelling on that, then I'm not doing my job. Uh, I know I've got an unbelievable staff, and we work really, really hard, and and uh, uh, we're going to continue to do that. And those guys, as I mentioned, uh, have been out uh, this week, and of course they're in St. Louis now getting set for the Bragg and Rice game tonight, but you go where the players are. Yeah, and they've been doing a lot of traveling, east and west and south. You got to go where you think you can get them, and uh, it's all cyclical. You know, Illinois will be up again at some point, we think, and uh, they'll be back there then. And Chin Coleman's got a, a presence in Chicago all the time. I think whether or not you see the head coach there, I guess you're not going to please everybody. And you there's so many factors involved in, in the Underwood thing. Not only the, the knee replacement period where he was out for a long time, the 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 voice problem where he, you know, they. They, he had a, as part of the uh, surgery, they put the thing down his throat and yeah. injured his vocal cords. And, and you know, he had, he had knee surgery, and then he had to have the knee surgery, and then he had to have a replacement after that yeah. because the knee surgery didn't work out. So I know that during the, during the critical part of the Liddell, Liddell uh, recruitment uh, down in Belleville, he, he couldn't go. I mean, he just, he was, he was sidelined, and, and, uh, all these things factor in. I, I don't know whether uh, – I, I know they have intentions to see some high school uh, tournaments this, this past week and this, this coming week in the state of Illinois. And that was probably I, always their intention. That's, that's when you can really get out there. And yeah, and, and when, I don't know if you were uh, – somebody mentioned the word cyclical, and it is. And the reason that you go when they don't have players is so that you can make relationships, build relationships so that when they do have players – you're not walking in as some guy. Well, I just showed up because now you got a player, so you have to do a certain amount of that. But still, right now, the the, the most important thing is to get January on campus, six foot ten or eleven, and a and a top four star player out of California, and to get Kofi Cokeburn, who will be here this coming weekend. He's about six eleven, and he's a five star, and 
those are the kind of guys. I mean, if you can land those guys, you then you quit worrying about who you can get in the state of Illinois. That was me that said cyclical about 90 seconds ago. How soon you forget? Well, I knew somebody said it. <laughs> <laughs> I heard the word. <laughs> <laughs> that was you, that was a word that stood out, huh? Yeah. I had a chance to visit with uh, Trent Frazier a little bit about the, the bragging rights game. Going to be 20,000 people there. Um, it's going to get rowdy. You know, the fans are getting into it. Um, they're going to talk smack to you, you know. Um, you know, we're going to get after it, you know, that's, it's a rivalry game, so it's going to, it's going to be crazy and loud and you just got to be ready for it. Guys talked to you last year about it. When you got there, was it bigger than you thought? Yeah, um, I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't believe it until I saw it, you know, um, the way it's set up, you know, it's just orange and yellow on one side. Um, it's, it's insane, you know, I, I had to get going, I had a lot of nervousness in me, a lot of butterflies, you know, and um, obviously being a freshman, you know, I didn't, you know, having the ball and having a successful game like that, you know, um, in that spotlight, you know, it was it was a great night for me. And a game like that, you know, you get going, you start hitting a few big shots, you know, you start getting more comfortable in that in that in that arena, you know, and in front of that that big of a crowd, you know, when you you start scoring and stuff, you're playing so well on defense, and you feel the momentum in that gym, it's 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 insane, you know, and it, and all you want to do is be out on the court, you know, and and give your all. That's Trent Frazier. He gave his all last year in kind of a coming out game, 22 points in that ball game in the bragging rights game. But a lot of these guys are seeing it for the first time. The veteran of the bunch, of course, is Aaron Jordan. I had a chance to spend a couple of minutes with him as well. So what have you told these guys about what they're about to get into on Saturday night with the bragging rights game? Uh, I told them, well, this is the biggest crowd you have to play in front of. Uh, you might not be able to hear Coach. You probably know. You're not going to be able to hear Coach at times. So, you know, just got to trust the process, uh, trust what we've been working on trust each other out there on the court and just, you know, we go out there and have fun, play hard. It's definitely emotional. Uh, a lot of history behind this game, uh, a lot of history behind the teams I've been with here and, you know, just uh, having success in it. And just, you know, wanting to do that for my last time, you know, society. What do you remember about your first one? Um, <laughs> raising up that trophy, actually. Uh, I remember the guys telling me the same thing about how, you know, intense the game is and, you know, how, how much it means and, you know, just uh, – just the overall meaning behind it. Uh, you know, I look back at that all the time. You know, I thank them for that, and I'm glad I was a part of it. Is there a point you feel like once the game starts, maybe six or eight minutes in, do you kind of settle down then and look at it as another game then? I think we'll, we'll be settled down earlier than that. Uh, you know, guys are growing up a lot. And so, uh, yeah, there'll be a lot of hype, but, you know, it's a basketball game at the end of the day. It's a basketball game that means a lot to us. So, How you feeling about this two-game winning streak? Got a good vibe going? Definitely. Feels good. Locker room's good. You know, guys are just trying to work, get better. You know, see what we're doing. Like, yeah, we won, but, uh, you know, we want to move forward. That's Illini senior Aaron Jordan. Let's go back to the phones. John is on the line in Champaign. What do you say, John? I'm uh, interested in who is the running back for Illinois next year. You mentioned the quarterbacks. Well, well you, got, you got Reggie Corbin. <laughs> All the same guys we had this year. Reggie's back? Okay. Okay. I guess that answers my question. Thank yeah, you. Epstein's back, and, mm-hmm. and uh, Dre Brown will play, and they've got a couple more beyond that. Yeah. Yeah, Corbin uh, being back is uh, is a good thing. And, They're uh, five deep at running back. Yeah. So we'll be talking about the running back position, we hope, and hope that we don't put the jinx on that like we did the, the wide receiver uh, talk before last season. It is 1042. We'll break, take a break here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Talk some baseball. The hot stove is churning up a little bit and heating up a little bit. We'll talk about that coming back. Love to hear from you. 356-9397. Back after this. Join us tonight in St. Louis. It's the Bragging Rights game. Illinois and Missouri. 7 o'clock tip-off. Illini game day. 
Comes your way from St. Louis at 5.30 tonight on DWS. Back to the show, everybody. Illini Fellas Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. With you until 11 o'clock. Let's talk a little bit of baseball. Still no uh, major news on Bryce Harper or Manny Machado. He made, Manny made the rounds this week. Yeah. Visited uh, New York and Philadelphia. Spent a lot of time with the Yankees. Dodgers made some moves. I got I to gotta think. Uh, let's, let's go over that. First of all, you get, you get rid of... Puig and his contract. You mm-hmm. get rid of Kemp and his contract. Those are major. That looks to me like they're clearing the decks. It does. For Harper. And at the same time, they acquired Homer Bailey and released him. What was the point of that? Somebody's got to explain that. I know there has to be reasoning behind it, but why do you acquire somebody in a trade and immediately release them? And if you're another team and you're interested in him, how do you get him? Is is he on waivers? Well, then what about his? Who pays him? Yeah, he's got two years remaining on a six-year contract for 105 million, which averages out to 17 million a year. So that means that he's owed right now. And I'm assuming this without, you know, without any detail. I'm assuming that he's owed about 30 some million dollars right now for the next two years. But who's he going to pitch for? Good question. He's been double released here in, 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 the, in this week. Always, I've always thought that, of course, his folks never realized he'd be a major league pitcher or they wouldn't have named him Homer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish somebody would call me and tell me why you, would, why you would acquire somebody in trade and immediately release him. What is the advantage in doing that? Why, would you, why bother? Why just not let the Reds keep him? Maybe the Reds wanted to get rid of him to get rid of his salary. There it is. The Reds wanted to get rid of him to get rid of his salary. Yes, but that only answers part of what now. You well, know. I, that I don't know, but yeah. maybe the Dodgers are responsible for his salary. Well, they, they must be because they're the team that acquired him. acquired him and then released him. Yeah. So, but by releasing him, who who pays him? Good if question. If he's got a six-year contract that's valid, and he's got two years to go on it, it sounds to me like the Dodgers have acquired his contract. And are they going to eat it then? Yeah. Even if he signs with somebody else. Well, I mean, that, that's, that's what we don't know. You'd have to know the contractual arrangements there, but I suppose if he signed with somebody else for three or four million, which, which is more than he's worth probably right now, uh, you know, I, I I don't understand it, but uh, it's it's a very unusual deal. But it looks to me like the Dodgers are going to make a big play because Puig played right field. Yeah. And I think there's a guy named Harper that plays right field, and I think that they're, they're going the Dodgers want Harper. And the Reds have made some. Uh, some interesting deals, uh, not uh, the least of which is this one this week, but uh, they're going to be a factor perhaps in the uh, National League Central. Cardinals uh, signed Andrew Miller, left-handed reliever, big six-seven guy, who uh, just a couple of years ago might have been the best reliever in uh, in baseball. Certainly was during the playoffs. Most scary. Yeah. <laughs> when he came in, you thought, "Oops," and he he might pitch more than one inning too. He might. But now that he's been injured, I bet the Cardinals are going to be awful careful with him. Yeah, where you use him uh, gives you some options. The Cardinals needed a, a left-handed arm in there, although they've got some other guys, and I don't think they need three left-handers in the bullpen, but we'll see. Well, spring training will tell us a lot. But if, if Miller's had, had three injuries last year, I mean, uh, and I don't think any I – mean, he's obviously cleared uh, – whatever uh, medical, uh, you know, in 
inquiries that they've made about him, he's, he's, he's cleared that. So they think he's going to be healthy. But he is 33, and that's not too old. But, but still, w uh, look, relief pitching, you just have to wait and see. It doesn't make any difference wh who, what they did last year. It's next year that matters, and you can't count on anything. It's funny, speaking of the word cyclical, how, uh, baseball, word how baseball changes. You know, it used to be starting pitching was the key, and that's not to say that starting pitching is not important anymore, but that's back in the days when, when guys were pitching seven, eight, nine innings, and the bullpen was not that big a deal. You might have a guy that came in in the ninth, but uh, and I'm going way back. I mean, I'm going back to Bob Gibson and those guys. Try to take Bob Gibson out of the game. You know, he, he had more complete games than guys – Today's guys, if they look at that complete game record that he has, they how did that ever happen? I mean, he just well, he never came out of the game. But things changed, and now the now you're talking about guys in the playoff last year starting the closer or, or a reliever starting the ball game. It's crazy, it, it really is. is. And the games are now being decided. You know, in baseball, most games are decided in the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth innings, and you don't know who's going to be pitching those innings for you. And you're trying to get or the other team. Trying to get what's called a quality start out of your starter, and what's that? Five and a half innings or yeah, six that's innings? That's the average now. Yeah. It's less than six. Yeah. More than five. Yep. But uh, Andrew Miller, the latest addition to the Cardinals. Are the Cardinals done? I don't know. You see where the uh, Cubs picked up uh, former Cardinal Daniel Descalzo, mm -hmm. gave him a two year contract. At, uh, didn't pay a lot for him, but then again, he's a utility guy. I think he got $5 million for two years to play in Chicago. But Murphy got away. I thought the Murphy Cubs went to Colorado. Murphy, but they just—I probably feel like defensively and his age that. The, but he can still hit. He ought to be in the American League. That's where he belongs, you know, because he can hit. And you mentioned uh, right field. What are the Cardinals going to do in right field? They're going to give uh, Fowler a shot. They've still got Martinez, who I still think could be traded. Speaking oh, yeah. to an American League team, oh, yeah. that, that'd be worried. I think that the Martinez, they've had, he's been on the table. But he wouldn't be a bad guy to have around either. Oh, he can hit. I don't know if he's your starter out there. And, but I think whoever plays right for St. Louis this year, it will be uh, helped by what's playing in front of them now because you've got Wong, who will be at second base, but now you've got a gold glover at first base. So anything on the ground uh, stands less of a chance of getting through than it had in the past. Yeah. But we'll see how that plays out. It's always fun to talk hot stove league, and that'll kick up uh, with the winter warm-ups. Well I, I want to get back to Harper just for a second. Yeah, do that. This guy is going to want to sign a five, six, seven. I don't know, a long-term contract. He is, come, he is batting 279 career in five years. He's 25 years old, 279, and last year he didn't hit that. In other words, he, he was under that. 279. I just want to tell you what a couple of, and, and uh, how many how many millions he's going to make, I don't know. But Stan Musial, at the age of 25, are you ready for this? <laughs> Batted 365. Ted Williams, at the age of, well, of course, he spent, when he was 25 years old, he's in the middle of service, three years of service. He went in hitting, he, he went in hitting 406 and 356. He came out and hit 342 <laughs> the first year. What a difference, uh, you know. These statistics just drive you nuts. Yeah, how much? Did, how much did they make? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hundred thousand was was an uh, unheard of. Did when did DiMaggio reach a hundred thousand? I don't know, but yeah, it was a whole different thing. Interesting stats. Let's go to the phones real quick. 
Scott in Champaign is with us. What do you say, Scott? Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? Good. You know, I think the Cubs kind of standing pat right now and watching what everybody else is doing. There's rumors around that Nolan Arenado will be a free agent next year. Yeah, probably will be. So, well, he will be, right. Uh, so, no, with that signs, being said, yeah. yeah, with that being said, I think they might be putting their eggs in that basket for next year. A lot of people putting their eggs in that Arenado basket, not just the Cubs. Yeah, yeah and, I, and here's how I could see that unfolding. And you move Brian out to the outfield and you bring Arenado in. Um, I don't think they want to get tied down with a huge contract like, you know, the Angels did with, with pool holes. I think that that's just bad. That's bad business. It is. Um, I know they're locked up a little bit financially, but I also, you know, I want to caution a lot of people. You know, the Cubs won 95 games without a healthy Bryant, without a contribute uh, from Contreras. Uh, there was there was a lot of factors that right. that team could have easily won 110 games. And Russell. And Russell. Uh, and Darvish. You know, the nucleus, the, the nucleus is still as strong as ever. I mean, they're still young and they're still very viable. Um, you know, I, I know people want to kind of put us to bed, but I think uh, the Cubs will still be a strong force in the Central. Who have you ever heard say that they wouldn't be a strong force in the Central? Have you heard a single well, person say know, that? I, I mean, it, you know, there's, there's always people kind of talking around about it. I, I just think We'll really? see. I want to see what Darvish does when he comes back. I think, uh, you know, I'm encouraged at least initially on the flat throwing off the mound. and We'll, we'll see. There's a lot that has to come together, I think, with Hamels being signed and uh, veteran leadership on the staff side. I think uh, the Cubs, at least you'll, you can at least say 90 wins or more. Uh, but like you said, you know, you never know. I mean, it's always fun to talk about it right now, but uh, it's always good, and but actually until it's the game start, uh, you never know what the lineup's going to look like. But uh, I think we're in really good shape, at least for the next several years. All right, Scott, appreciate the call. Thank you very much. We'll take one final break and be back with more after this. Stay with us. About 90 seconds before 11 o'clock on this edition of Illini Pella Saturday's Sports Talk. We'll be back with you again Next week, same time right here at 9 to 11. You know, in this business, you get a chance to work with and meet a lot of interesting people over the years and uh, develop friendships. And we lost one of those guys this week, um, Terry Hutchins, who uh, covered Indiana for such a long time. Long time. I bet he's been on the show with us 20 times at least, if not more, over the years, many years. He was in in an auto accident uh, uh, recently, and he passed away this week. So our thoughts and prayers uh, go out to he and his family. Uh, thanks uh, this morning to Mike Kelly for joining us for a few minutes to talk about uh, tonight's Bragging Rights game, 7 o'clock right here on DWS, pregame coverage beginning at 5.30. We also visited with Mark Tupper and uh, Robbie Hummel from Big Ten Network. Mr. Tate, appreciate your time. What do you think? In 10 seconds, who's going to win this game tonight? I'm not confident. I, I think probably it's uh, Missouri's turn to win, but uh, I think it's going to be a toss-up game basically. But I just I don't know how many, to- how many years can we keep edging them out. <laughs> Yeah, we've said this Missouri's turn uh, several times, and hopefully uh, it'll have to wait. Appreciate your time. Thanks to Blake Landa for uh, working with us this morning. 
Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays. We'll be back next week right here on WDWS in Champaign-Urbana. For Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. Have a good weekend.